a Bible study on chapter 17 of Revelation. And before we get started, as always, uh, I pray, dear God, please help us to go through this and to um, get the message that you want to give us as we read this. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll first read the, um, the chapter straight through, then I will go through the Bible studies questions and answers because I don't know that I really have a lot to add to this chapter, and um, then I will go over some things that I underlined. So this is titled, Babylon the Prostitute on the Beast. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came to me and said, Come, I want to show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of the prostitute and the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk on the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore the testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, Why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and the beast she rides, which has seven heads and ten horns. The beast which you saw once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. The inhabitants of the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life, come from the creation uh, wait, let me read that again. The inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast because it was, now is not, and yet will come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. They are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come, but when he does come, he must remain only for a little while. The beast who once was and now is not is an eighth king. He belongs to the seven and is going to his destruction. The ten horns you saw are the ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. They have one purpose and will and will give their power and authority to the beast. They will wage war against the lamb, but the lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings, and with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. Then the angel said to me, The waters you saw where the prostitute sits are people, multitudes, nations, and languages. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to hand over to the beast their royal authority. 
until God's words are fulfilled. The, the woman you saw in the is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. So there's a lot there. And it's all symbolic. So um, I'm going to first go to what the study guide says in the Bible. And then we'll take it after that. So let's start with question. Who is the great prostitute? The great prostitute, though not easily to identify, has been linked to Babylon, Rome, and Jerusalem. It may be that she symbolizes all cultures that are unfaithful to God. Their actions here are represented by adultery. So I will add my own little commentary to this. And I do believe that this um, great prostitute, this, I, I do believe it's spiritual. Obviously, it's, I mean, all of this is spiritual, but it's, there's some spirit that um, is uh, part of this. And especially when we had just read that this beast comes up out of the abyss. The abyss is like the bottomless pit. It's where all like demons are sent. And that's where, you know, as Jesus met that man um, had, who told him he was named Legion because he had so many like demonic spirits within him. And then Jesus delivered him. And those demonic spirits said, are you sending us to the abyss? But they didn't want to go there. It wasn't time for them. So they went into the pigs and then the pigs ran and jumped off the cliff into the water. So um, there is a place, the abyss, the bottomless pit, that demonic activity is. So this is something demonic. All of this is. I mean, the woman. And then when you think about adultery, God constantly or continually talks about, um, he you know, references marriage and he uses that symbolically. Um, and just like Jesus is the bridegroom and those who are in Christ are the bride. So there's a lot of symbolism, but it's like a marriage. And, and he talks often in scripture, it talks a lot like God talks about Jerusalem, you know, being an adulteress or um, Israel, not Jerusalem, um, Israel, and then um, Judah and it's it's very much um, personified like that. And so this is very symbolic. And what it truly means is that they're they're you know cheating on God. They have somebody else. They have an idol in front of them that's more important to them than God is. And that's upsetting to God, like a, a person in a marriage who has an adulterous spouse. That's the same feeling that God feels towards people who abandon him and choose another idol that make, you know, that idol more important than God. So going back to the questions and answers, who, a question, who, I read that one. Okay, question, who or what is the scarlet beast? This beast is most likely the first beast that is the beast out of the sea. The color scarlet is probably used to symbolize blasphemy blasphemy in contrast to the purity and faithfulness symbolized by the color white. Question, in what sense is the beast covered with blasphemous names? Blasphemy seems to be the primary feature of the beast's character. Covered with blasphemous names suggests that the beast is completely and irrevocably opposed to God. Question, how was John in the spirit 
John used this phrase to underscore that the source of his vision was God. His vision came out of a supernatural encounter far beyond typical indwelling of the Spirit in a believer's life. John was transported into a special heightened spiritual experience. He repeated the source of his vision because this chapter opens up a whole new dimension of the revelation. Question, why was she drunk with the blood of God's holy people? Since the great harlot is figurative, we should also view her blood drinking as symbolic. This horrifying reference is a poetic way of pointing out that the harlot has played a pivotal role in the murderous persecution of many believers. Her drunkenness might be a reference to the subsequent euphoria she has experienced through persecuting and killing Christians. Question, why is the beast in the past and future but not in the present. The three stages represent the beast's rise to power, its mortal wound, and its miraculous recovery. John wrote not from his own time frame, but from the perspective of the prophesied events, quoting the angel. Question, can these events be linked in, in an understandable way to history? The symbolism of these verses is difficult. One view links these kings to Roman emperors, Augustus, Tiberius, Caligua, Claudius, and Nero are the five who had fallen. Vespasian is the one who is, and Titus is the other who has not yet come. Another view sees these kings as nations. Those from the past are Old Babylon, Assyria, New Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greco-Macedonia. The one from the present is Rome, and the one from the future is another kingdom or series of kingdoms that sets itself against the kingdom of God, possibly the kingdom of the Antichrist. And question, will Christians be part of the war? The called, chosen, and faithful followers are on the Lord's side, although it's not clear whether they are part of this war, are simply spectators to it. Some say these are believers who decide for Christ after the church is raptured, and so they are still in the world. Others say the raptured church will return to earth, to the earth to be with the Lord at this time. Still others believe that Jesus will not come for his church until after this battle. Then question, why are two evils, the beast and the prostitute, at odds with each other? The wicked act selfishly and often with hatred towards each other as well as toward the righteous. But both the beast and the prostitute want power over the whole world, so their selfish goals conflict. And so that's, that's the question and answer from the study Bible. So um, a lot of this... You know, there are clues in here about the about who this prostitute on the beast is. First of all, someone pointed out, and it wasn't me, but it was from a study that I had listened to. But it, it talked about, um, there's a detail where the, the prostitute is riding the beast. So the prostitute is like controlling the beast, like the, is behind the beast. So that's something interesting. It's a, it's a detail in here where she was, she was sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with it. So um, sitting on the scarlet beast, you know, 
potentially controlling the beast. And so therefore, it could very well be a spiritual thing, this this prostitute, um, something, you know, of old that um, is coming to play in in reality of the future. And um, it says that this prostitute sits by many waters, but then that's very clear, that's cleared up in verse 15 that says the waters you saw where the prostitute sits that's those are people multitudes nations and languages so this um this prostitute is is um i guess near people lots of people lots of nations and languages so it doesn't really necessarily mean sitting by physical water. It just means that it's near all of these nations. It's surrounded by a bunch of people. So there's a lot of people that are feeding into it. So if it is spiritual, then it could very easily go out to a lot of people. A And it says a lot of nations and languages. So it's not just one one nationality at all. It's It's spread over, sounds like, a kind of a global thing. And then the um, it says, with her, the kings of the earth committed adultery. So whoever is connected to her is committing adultery to God. So they're opposing God if they're connected to this prostitute. And, um, and she's like, you know, when someone gets drunk, when you talk about getting drunk, they aren't quite thinking clearly in their minds. And so then it says, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. So the people who are following this prostitute or this prostitute has control over the spiritual thing, has control over people. They are, it's like they're drunk, like they don't, they don't get it. Like they just don't have any senses about it. They're just mindlessly following this anti-God being and that. That's something factual that we see from the scripture that's here. And then this beast, to me, it sounds exactly like the beast that we heard that came up out of the sea. That's what one of the questions and answers said. Um, it surely does sound just like the beast that comes out of the sea. So again, chapter 17 is really giving more description about an earlier chapter that we already read about, but it's giving more detail about this this being, entity, spirit, whatever it is. And um, it's it's definitely, I mean, it says the woman was dressed in purple and scarlet. Don't really know the significance of that. I'm sure there's something that's symbolic for. Um, and then it talks about all these precious stones and pearls. So there's something about wealth and luxury and something that, you know, ties to this, perhaps. Um, and, but there's just like, it's just filled the cup in her hand is just filled with abominable things. Abominable, abominable things are things that are against God. So it's like everything that God speaks about, or maybe the Ten Commandments, everything that the Ten Commandments say, this is the opposite of that, that she's just filled with that. And then what was written on her forehead was a mystery. And it's just Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and the of the abominations on the earth. So Again, I just think this is like a spiritual thing. I did write Jeremiah 51 kind of talks about a similar aspect of it. So the Old Testament ties to the New Testament. If you want to look that up, that chapter um, I referenced written on the forehead was a mystery in Jer Jeremiah 51. 
And then, um, let's see, it's definitely has to do with people that I saw the woman who was drunk with the blood of God's holy people. We know that Christians are going to be persecuted, and this is the blood of those who bore the testimony to Jesus. So um, something that's connecting them to Jesus, this person is after them. And that kind of goes back to that one prior chapter where it talked about, um, you know, the dragon who was going out after first, you know, the the Jewish people, and then secondly, after all the children. And um, so it starts with um, Israel, and then it's going to come to all Christians, uh, according to prophecy. And then let's see the okay the beast comes out of the abyss so there's also something that's very demonic that has to do with this beast so i don't think this beast is going to be anything normal that we see this you know it just says it came out of the sea a few chapters ago and then here it tells us that it comes up out of the abyss so it's coming up from the demonic realm and and then after it comes up and does its damage for a while here on earth, it's going to go to its destruction. So that's the good news about it. And But the scary part is that the inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished. So the people who are not in Christ, who have not do not have God's spirit, it's like when you are, you can't empty yourself you're either going to have the spirit against God or you're going to have God's spirit. And we are kind of, I don't know, um, by default, I mean, we're born with sin. So it has to be a choice to receive the spirit of God. And the people, um, I see this as all of a sudden this the Bible starts talking about the inhabitants of the earth. And I see that kind of as a difference between God's holy one, the the chosen ones, the the people who have God's spirit, the inhabitants of the earth, it says whose names have not been written in the book. I just draw drew a conclusion of, you know, that the inhabitants of the earth are the ones who don't have God's spirit. And they will be astonished. So they're, you know, they're certainly drunk on the the blood of the, um, are the drunk on the wine um, that's from this this prostitute, the spiritual thing. So they're not thinking clearly, and they're not um, written in the book of life. So they don't have a good destiny in front of them. And then this other, there's more details about um, the seven heads or hills, which the woman sits on. So that's kind of a physical geographical thing. There's something with seven hills. And that's why, you know, there are, are suggestions that it could be Rome. I mean, there's, there's other things too. If you search like cities with seven hills, and you think about like the biblical areas or something, yeah, Rome does come up. So does Mecca, so does Tehran, and there's even more. So there's several different places that could be that could be from that physical um, aspect have having seven hills. So it's we don't know enough to make a conclusion on that. Scripture isn't clear enough, and it'll leave us guessing maybe until the end. And then they are also seven kings, and. It does get a little confusing. I think this goes back to the book of Daniel 
when he sees these beasts. Um, we know that, um, so I guess it's Jan Daniel, either chapter 9 or chapter 7, or probably 7, 8, and 9 is what you have to read um, for Daniel. Maybe it's even 4, I don't know. Um, but the book of Daniel um, definitely goes over all these beasts and gives descriptions of them. And it really does sound like this eighth king. I mean, we know that there are uh, like 10 heads, but this Antichrist is the eighth king, but he um, subdues three horns, which are the three kings. So he, he subdues, he overrules, he replaces three of them. So this eighth one definitely seems to be the Antichrist. He belongs to the seven and is going to his destructions. And it says, so it says the 10 horns are the 10 kings who have not received a kingdom. So the way that I say the 10 horns are the 10 kings who have not received the horns, they haven't received a kingdom, but for one hour will receive authority along with the kings of the beast. So I don't know if the one hour is a literal thing or if that's also if that's, you know, it's probably symbolic since most everything else here is symbolic. So for a period of time, they will receive authority along with the kings and the beast. So um, there's going to be this um, entity that's going to have authority over the earth and is going to astonish people. And um, these kings turn over their power uh, well, they have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. So all the kings are, are giving their authority to the beast. So the beast is really going to rule everything. And it says they will wage war against the lamb, but the lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of the Lord and the kings of kings. And with him will be his called chosen faithful followers. And this sentence um, just kind of popped out to me as I was reading it tonight, actually, because that really sounds to me like it's it's towards the end that this happens. It sounds like it might be like towards the very end, because that's when Jesus returns on the horse with all of his followers, the faithful ones behind him. And so... That's something to consider. I mean, it's really important to know the details of Scripture, but it just says they will wage war against the Lamb, which is against Jesus, but the Lamb will triumph over them because he is Lord of Lord and Kings of Kings, and with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. So I put a question mark, is this Armageddon at the very end? Because sometimes these chapters can take you from very early on and to the very end. So it it's hard to place the timing of these things. But just knowing that detail, it ties to the very end before Christ rules. So um, anyway, that is, let's see, then it says, the beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So the beast is evidently going to turn on this prostitute, whatever it is, and with, you know, so if the Antichrist is with the beast or a part of the beast, then it's going to turn on the woman, and um, for God has put it in their hearts to accomplish his pur 
purpose by agreeing to hand over to the beast their royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. Um, the woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. So there is a city that rules over the kings of the earth. And uh, whether or not that could be Babylon itself, I don't know. Um, but Babylon, I don't think, has the seven hills, so it doesn't quite fit every description there. But it it's there's a lot here to, um, to absorb, and I don't know that anyone really knows exactly what this is. But um, like I said before, if you know scripture, and then as things happen, a lot of times when you hear a description, it's like a riddle. When you hear a riddle, and you really don't get it, but then as soon as it is exposed, then you're like, oh, now I get it. I think that's a lot what this is going to be like, is as the time gets closer, as we see these things, it will, it will become very clear. Because if we know scripture, then we'll, it'll all make sense. So that's the end of chapter 17.